This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters, and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that are still happening today. Sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. Welcome back to Ospol Snackpod, the podcast that's kind of like a bunt cake. It's built around a pointless gimmick. That's right. We're back with some more news. We're back with some more views. We're bringing you bite-sized chunks of Australian news and politics with a side of crispy memes. And we are the official podcast of the Ospol Shitposting Facebook group. If you like Ospol Shitposting and groups, that could be an idea for you. It sort of combines those things. Option. I reckon yeah. you'd enjoy it. My name is Zach Snack, and with me, as always, is my co-host. Hey, it's me, Noon. Welcome back, Zach. Thank you, thank you, Noon. And welcome back, Noon. Thank you, Zach. It's great to be in my room where I spend most of the day. But yeah, <laughs> it's nice to be back with you. <sighs> Another um, chill, relaxing week in Australian politics. It's um, lucky that all of our parliamentarians are like chill people mm. who actually try hard to get their jobs done. Mm. And so the last couple of weeks of the sitting year of parliament isn't a giant embarrassing shit show yeah um, no it's very productive very smooth collegial some might say yeah just getting the last little loose ends tied up speaking of collegial shout outs to our new patrons thank you very much to c3168014 glad um, that you were doing the patrons this week zach so, <laughs> yeah i was just I've gonna got... say c <laughs> c and some numbers uh, I'm sure that C appreciates the shout out one way or the That's other. True, yeah. And also thank you to Clayton, who is different. Uh, thank you very much for signing up. If you want to support the show financially, you can do it over at patreon.com slash ozpulsesnackpod. Throw us a dollar a month and you get a monthly bonus episode. This month, or last month, the episode was about polyamory. Uh, and next month, or this month, it'll be about something else. Um, all right. Are you ready to get stuck into some stuff that we're not going to talk about noon? Oh yeah, I love not talking about things. All right, let's let's get some uh, aperitifs. Can I offer you one of these, sir? No, no, take it away at once. So first up is news about everyone's favorite terrible person, Craig Kelly, uh, who of course famously was banned from Facebook, uh, is now heading a social media inquiry. Or not heading it, sorry. He's sitting, he's sitting on a social media inquiry. The federal government has created a new select committee on social media and online safety whose main job will be to um, adjust some anti-trolling laws that the government has proposed to mm-hmm. parliament. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, I'm again, not, not talking about this in a lot of detail, but the laws seem mostly pointless and badly designed with just a sprinkle of horrifying overreach. Um, <laughs> it's all liberal party recipe. Exactly, yeah. What's the opposite of a broken clock, Zach? Like a... A clock, I guess. The real clock here is that Morrison has appointed Craig <laughs> Kelly to the social media inquiry. So here's from the uh, a pedestrian article. Um, Craig Kelly, a misinformation spreader so notorious that he was banned from Facebook and Instagram, has been appointed to, let me check my notes, the Parliament Social Media and Online Safety Committee. A great, reasonable choice, sure to have no serious consequences, I'm sure. Sir Garbage Rat was banned from Facebook in April 2021 for his posts about unproven COVID-19 treatments. I mean, it's good. Uh, He's going to bring balance, I think, to the committee. That's right. Because you can't right. just have it full of people who haven't been banned for, from Facebook for spreading dangerous misinformation. That's ex- the whole point of representative democracy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
proper good representation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, before he was banned from Facebook, he had the biggest social media following of any Australian politician. Cool. And of course, he used to be a liberal, uh, but has defected to the Clive Palmer party. So double cool. We just, don't we, even we, owe him shit anymore. You don't have to put him on that fucking... Yeah, I, I, I wonder what the decision is there. I feel like it's... Um, I don't know if it's technically accurate that Morrison or the government like appointed him. I think that it's it's appointed by the parliament. I see. So, yeah, but I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not big on process. We're not talking about this story. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, exactly. We're not talking about it. Here's another story we're not going to talk about. Greg Hunt is retiring from politics to spend more time with his BBW porn collection. <laughs> Sorry. Noon had his head in his hands before it even finished that sentence. Uh, yes, he was health minister during a global pandemic when the federal government abdicated all responsibilities mm-hmm. it could to keep people safe mm-hmm. and instead put the interests of capital before public health. Which is... You know, also remarkably similar to how he played his role as Tony Abbott's climate change minister. You know, the once in a life, you know, humanity's lifetime disaster of climate change mm. abdicated that responsibility. Mm. Uh, Big abdicator instead of capital. He Big, loves an abdication. Yeah. But you were saying, I'm sorry, he's an, he's an abdication fiend, but there's something else he's a fiend for. Really, yeah. his legacy will be accidentally liking a video from BBW Cumpumper69 on Twitter uh-huh. using his own official Twitter account, and then when asked about it, denied <laughs> that it was him, claimed that he was hacked, and then filed a report with the Australian Federal Fucking Police <laughs> asking him to investigate the hack, and then the Australian Federal Police <laughs> investigation found that he wasn't hacked. So, happy retirement, Greg Hunt. I hope you have so much fun spending more time with the fans as you claim you want to do. Uh, another story that is a follow-on from a story we didn't talk about last week. Um, <laughs> I, I, I saw this horrible article in the ABC called How a Shortage of Timber Pellets Could Affect Supermarket Supplies This Christmas. Um, ah, Christmas. <laughs> fucking puff That's piece the one catnip. thing that... Everyone thinks about with, I mean, technically trees, logged trees are important, but this is about timber pellets affecting supermarket supplies. There's not a when shortage I think of pallets, trees. <laughs> when I think pallets, I think Christmas. Yeah. So you, you know? might remember. Oh, they got the pallets out already. It's only fucking September. <laughs> um, last week I mentioned about <laughs> Vic Forrest's illegally logging forests on slopes. I'm sure that it's fully a coincidence that less than a week later, the forestry union and logging industry executives have been going to the media to explain that actually illegal logging will save Christmas. It's Um, really, if you want to run a story defending your industry because of some completely unrelated scandal, the ABC is really the primo outlet to go to. I mean, they're obliged to listen to anyone who anyone else thinks is important. Um, (laughs) Or yeah. people who are full of shit who will complain if the ABC doesn't publish everything they say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I've just got a quick quote here. Uh, oh, no, someone found out about the Victorian government's illegal forest crimes. We'd better run an alarmist piece about how the only thing <laughs> making sure your children aren't starving and presentless on Christmas is to keep illegally cutting down native forests and destroying Melbourne's water supply. So there you go. Um, insightful. Long, a long direct quote, but... Yeah. Worth it, I think, to get the flavour of the piece. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, fuck you, the ABC, and also Vic Forrest's. Uh, a hearty a hearty fuck you from me, too. And uh, here's one last story we're not going to talk about. Coles is doing wage theft, which is very, very what? surprising. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, I, I should say that Coles 
is doing more wage theft than they had previously admitted to. <laughs> well. uh, so the Fair Work Ombudsman says that Coles has underpaid around 8,000 workers, a total of around $115 million, wow. which is... That's a lot of money. Quite a few million dollars. Um, these workers seem to mostly be like managers and, and heads of sections within the store, like the head mm-hmm. of the bakery or the deli. And these people were basically working an hour more than they were rostered for over a period of three years. And some of these right. people are now owed over a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars each. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's quite a lot of stolen wages. Yeah. Um, Last year, Coles admitted to uh, $20 million in wage theft They were when they were reviewing their pay structure for some employees, but mm-hmm. obviously that wasn't the whole story. Uh, and one final note here, that that uh, pay structure review they were, they were undertaking found that they had underpaid uh, workers according to an award negotiated by none other, none other than our favorite union, mm-hmm. the SDA. The fucking worst union. Bosses unions. The, just, just the fucking worst. Uh, anyway, that's enough of the stuff that we're not going to talk about. Uh, let's do some memes. Shitpost of the week. And boy, howdy. <laughs> There's some memes. Uh, memes are plenty. Uh, it all started a few days ago, Zach, when I got a little alert on my phone, as happened several times a day, saying someone wants to join Ozpol shitposting, which, uh. of course, listeners, you may recall, we are the official podcast of. So, yes, and if- noon is the... Admin. And creator of. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so, um, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, someone wants to join the group, fine. Who is it? Oh, it's Adam Bant's Blue Tick Facebook page. <laughs> um, hilariously, because I'm the admin of the group and they applied to join, it shows me this page is managed by 16 people. <laughs> um, so 16 people in an Adam Bant trench coat uh, applied to join. <laughs> And I'll just read out the questions and the answers that they gave. Um, so, you know, listeners, if you do want to join Ozpolshit Posting, please do answer the questions because if you don't, unlike Adam Bant, you won't get let into the group. So, uh, what are your p- political leanings? Progressive left. Okay, sure. Right. Where did you see the group tag slash how did you find us? Mate mentioned it. I'm going to uh, press X to doubt on that one. Are your staff uh, as mates? Well, look, this is the thing. I know several people who work for the Greens. <laughs> so you might be the mate. Well done, Noon. Wow. I don't know. Anyway, it's just like you could you just be like, this is so-and-so, his staffer. You know me. It's I'm <laughs> your friend or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> anyway. And then when was the golden era of the Simpsons? One to seven, which is a weird kind answer. Of, yeah, slightly controversial, slightly it's unorthodox Unorthodox, yeah. yeah. It's not obviously wrong, but curious choice. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I posted the screenshot of this in the group as I like to do when I feel like I want to humiliate someone who has applied to join the group. <laughs> Shout out to Adam. Um, and uh, everyone was like, um, please let him in. And many a meme were made. Um, I did approve. And then everyone was like, tagging him, being like, please make a shit post now. You have joined the shit posting group. It's shit posting time. Um, and, and there were so many. Uh, I've collected easily less than half, but already too many for this short segment. Should we go through a couple of them, Zach? Yes, let's, let's do a smattering of, of yeah. Adam Bant memes. Not made by Adam Bant, I think we should clarify. No. Yeah. Adam Bant's account did post one. So, a uh, friend of the show, Steph, said, uh, 
um, it's 16 admins in a trench coat, a joke which I stole a minute ago, you may recall, listeners. And uh, Adam Bent's profile replied with a Photoshop of his head on someone in a trench coat and said, no, it's just me, uh, which I'm sure is not true. Um, but it also is as, pretty, it was pretty funny. As Amina said, I begrudgingly find that amusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. agreed. Yeah. yeah. Begrudgingly agree. All right, so here's one from Owen. Um, It's, uh, you know, from the itchy and scratchy and poochy episode of The Simpsons. Uh, And Homer is saying, whenever Adam Pant's not shitposting, all the other group members should be asking, where's Adam? (laughs) Uh, Many Simpsons ones here. Yeah, okay, here's one from Patrick, which is an Mm -hmm. old-timey poster of two perfect little Aryan children, one of which is one of whom is perched on Adam Bant's knee and asking him, Daddy, what did you shitpost in Ospol shitposting? Uh, then there's, um, you know, Fat Tony labeled as Ospol shitposting members and Marge as Adam Bant's profile picture. You have 24 hours to give us our shitpost. And to show you we're serious, you have 12 hours. <laughs> uh, All right, you're going to have to do this next one because I don't get the reference. Okay. Uh, um, so it's Marge saying... Oh, sorry, Adam Bant saying, I'm very proud to announce the first Greens-approved poop post from me, Adam Brandt. <laughs> and then it's Marge saying, how about ghost mutt? And I think, you know, the joke is, obviously, Adam would never say the S word because he's a politician, so he's uh, only posting Greens-approved poop posts. And also, he's a brand, Adam Brandt. And then... This scene is from uh, that same... Oh, it's another itchy and scratchy one where they're being sued. And, and he's like, if we don't steal copyright, who are we going to get our ideas from? Her? And Marge says, <laughs> how about Ghost Mutt? And it's often regarded as one of the best line reads in the entire show. Um, but I think it's a joke about it's a bit hard to do a good shit post when everyone is banging for your blood. Um, there's a few from That's Ethan. Deep. Goes yeah, very deep. Layers. A few from Ethan, a uh, friend confidant, member of our inner sanctum. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm something of a shit poster myself. Um, uh, is that- That's Willem Dafoe from Spider-Man. Yeah. Thanks. Um, uh, Adam Bant, when he finds a political shit posting group, and it's uh, that guy leaning out from a- behind a tree and rubbing his hands. I don't know who the... <laughs> oh, nice. uh, another, another fat Tony. Yep. Uh, feet Marge as Adam Bant. Yep. You see, my wife, she's been most vocal on the subject of the shit post. Where's the shitpost? When are you going to get the shitpost? Why aren't you getting the shitpost now? So please. So please. The, the shitpost. Shit <laughs> yeah. Uh, Homer, if I went to a shitposting group and there was no shitpost, I would say, yo, Kuba, where's the shitpost? That's from Kim, who did uh, a large number. We're just going to smash through these. Uh, Chris Ritchie, uh, one of, um, you know, Dragon Ball Z, uh, end of the Freezer saga, when Goku is charging the spirit bomb <laughs> and uh, everyone is, like, sending their energy to help. Wait no, that's yeah, they're all little. Maybe maybe it's not in the freezer saga. I got to rewatch the end of DBZ. But uh, green stuff is across the country donating the NG for what must be the most anticipated debut shit post of all time. <laughs> Obviously, a joke about the spirit bomb taking like weeks of episodes to to charge. This shit is going way over my head. But it is noted, notable that all the little energy balls that are getting sent up are all actually yes. little Adam Bants. It's quite high. Effort, it's a really yeah. good. It's a great little shit post there. Uh, there's one that's a magic card um, from Tyler. Very good. <laughs> uh, the Bernie meme. I'm once again asking for Adam Bant to shitpost. Yep. And uh, Noon, your personal favorite 
I think this one is my favorite because it's a Sisyphus reference, uh, which, I, you know, I love that. Um, Adam Bant is Sisyphus, but this is like a political cartoon style drawing. This isn't like an artwork. Um, you know, it's skillfully drawn. Adam Bant is like pushing a big rock up a hill and there's some like guy there um, who's helping him by hammering wedges in. And the, behind the rock. At, behind the rock, yeah, to help Adam push it up. And so the the rock is labeled Australian Greens, and the <laughs> hill he's pushing it up is Progressive Left, <laughs> reference to the questions. Uh, and at the top of the hill is Mainstream Acceptance, okay? And the other guy who's helping him is labeled a mate and is saying, you should give a bunch of wieners blue balls in Ozpol shitposting. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know if I described it very well, but it's just a truly excellent meme. I'll put that as the uh, cover photo so you can all, you can all see it. So Rowan, uh, shout-outs for that. Hi- high quality. They also made several more memes. As I said, this was less than half of the Bant posting. There was a lot um, of Bant posting. It was yeah. going and going. So shout-out to everyone who participated. I'm sorry I couldn't shout you all out. Well done. Good job, team. Yeah, it's a, it's a you know... Best cast award for shit post of the week uh-huh. this week. Yeah. yeah. Best ensemble. Cool. Oh my God, an old fashioned shit storm. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> it has been a while. Mm. Thanks everybody for your shit posting efforts. And now. Is that one growing on you, Noon? <laughs> I've never disliked it. <laughs> I, I think it's great. I do feel like you could, uh, you know. Same as I was complaining about that Rukshan song. You know, it really needs a little extra. I feel like your kook watch. You just got to let it let loose, man. You know. I tried to. It yeah. rock doing a, a like a convincing rock scream is really hard. Forget about convincing. Forget about rock scream. It's a Zach scream. Oh, Jesus a, Christ! A snack scream. That's you right. We'll you, watch off it. You off just, mic. It's you fun. don't know what you're asking for. Uh, but Kook Watch this week, yes. Okay, so the Victorian government's pandemic powers legislation will pass after all, uh-huh. after the government secured support from renowned and recognisable Upper House MP Rod Barton. I know from, him. Yes, um, you'll know him from his household name, Transport Matters Party. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm very familiar with that. Yeah. As a as a political aficionado, always following TMP. Rod Button this. Roddy B- TMP Roddy B. that. God, yeah. enough with the Rod Button John TMP Curtin. content. Yeah. <laughs> Rendell McNailage. Yeah, in, it's fine. <laughs> Rendell is in McNailage. Um, so the Transport Matters Party, um, according to my brief uh, research today, is a pro-taxi anti-Uber party, and Button is an ex-cabbie. And okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Fine. As far as minor party <laughs> issues go, um, one of the, one funny detail is that due to the preference deals, which Anthony Degree, Anthony Green described as like uh, extremely convoluted or something like that. Yeah. Um, Barton could have got in with less than zero point three percent of the vote, and he mm-hmm. uh, in fact smashed it out of the park with zero point six. Wow. So that's skulls. That's a that's a solid a solid electoral performance from. Rod Barton. Uh, but yeah, Transform Matters Party platform seems mostly pretty good. I mean, they, you know, they're mostly like, we want the government to recognize that Uber was operating illegally uh, for three years in Victoria before you deregulated the rideshare industry and it ruined the lives of many taxi drivers. Sure. Um, which, sure, is, is specific, but okay. 
But they also are like, hey, we should also end homelessness and expand free transport and in general do more transport and bike lanes and shit. And sure. all, the more I read, like the more points I read on their policy platform, I was like, huh. I TMP coming was, through again. Yeah, I was not expecting to feel this favorably towards the Transport Matters Party, but here okay, we are. So let's see if we can get him an extra 0.3, uh, get all the way up to 0.9. I mean, I mean that's, yeah, that's a safe seat. 0.9% of the vote. No, I'm pretty sure they changed the rules, uh, <laughs> but which is good for the country, but bad for the shit posts. But yeah, please go on. Basically, yeah, Barton said that he would vote for the pan- new pandemic powers if uh, a few more amendments were made. Uh, and those changes are mostly to do with adding more oversight to government decisions mm-hmm. uh, made under the pandemic powers, including a new joint parliamentary committee to review public health orders sure. and an independent panel to review appeals to detention under public health orders. Because, okay, these, yep, yep. yeah, you know, they have the power to tell, so like, know, tell the, people to quarantine or whatever. If the tower lockdown thing happened again, there would be like a specific organ, like body ready to be like. Yeah. Hey, we don't think this should be happening. That is one potentially good thing that this amendment could do, for sure. 100%. Sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this amended bill now has support from like bodies that were previously critical. The Victorian Ombudsman and the Law in- Institute of Victoria are now supportive of this legislation, okay. be- where before they were like, nah, needs more. Interesting. Uh, you know, need. Needs, needs more amendments, and they got it. Uh, the Victorian Bar Association is support, supportive of these amendments, but doesn't support the bill as a whole. Um, sentient fart Matthew Guy offered these remarks. <laughs> so, obviously, the kooks, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, are taking it pretty well. Yep. Um, with Rod Barton now getting death threats and having to make his Twitter private after a massive deluge of abuse. Um and I also saw on Twitter today a photo of a sign at, at one of the Cooker rallies. Uh, well, it'd be the Cooker rally here oh, in yeah, Melbourne I'm today. Just seeing that image <laughs> yeah. that you put in there. So it's a, it's a hand painted sign titled "Top Twenty Traitors," and then it says, "Top of the list, Transport Minister Number One," <laughs> and then Number One, Rod Barton. Now I love this sentence <laughs> I, because the, it's like. They've subbed in the phrase transport minister for public enemy. Transport <laughs> minister number one. And of course, he's not the transport minister. No, he's not. He's, he's a cross, he's a, he's a cross bench <laughs> senator. So, yeah. <laughs> I can also I mean, tell you can It's see, funny, but it's also terrifying. It is, I mean, it's quite sort of, you know, the unhinged energy is, is bad and, you know, we'll get further into that a little bit but yeah the cookers are currently still camped out at parliament house and their plan now after failing to kill the bill is uh to get the governor to do it for them which is um you know very anti-authoritarian revolutionary well don't um, you know being conservative is the new punk rock yes yes uh wake up sheeple governor please uh help us um <laughs> but yeah i was i i tweeted a couple of weeks ago uh something along the lines of uh, one of the things I love about politics is that you can go from never having heard of someone to them being your worst fucking enemy within five mm-hmm. minutes. And mm-hmm. I was specifically referring to Pat Conroy, the Labour uh, MP, who was like, yeah, prison time for climate activists is good, actually. Yeah. Um, and I'd like, I'd never heard of this man before. And then I was like, if I ever see you, I am going to scream my fucking lungs out about how much of a piece of shit you are. Um, so people, you know, you know, people just go from zero to a hundred very quickly in politics. And 
I feel like this must be a rough time for Rod Barton, someone who got around 20,000 votes, and now you're transport minister <laughs> number, number one. one. <laughs> Top of the traitor list. <laughs> so the other thing that's funny about it is that it kind of reads like a footnote, almost. Top of the list, transport minister number one, and then one's in the circle, and then just below that is like one, one. Rod, Rod Barton. Barton. If you didn't know, yeah. <laughs> that's who um, it is. Yeah, it but... is pretty funny, yeah. I mean, the thing that's not funny about yeah, this is right. that when it's... I, you know, when I go from zero to a hundred in terms of hating a politician, you know, I might yell at them, uh, you know, on yell Twitter about them on my podcast. Or on a podcast, um, yeah. Yes, but these people make actual fucking credible threats of violence. Yep. Um, and... Over the past couple of weeks, the cookers have been out in the streets literally trying to kill people. Yeah. Over the last two weeks alone, we've had a COVID testing center worker run over in a fucking hit and run. Yep. A bookstore worker who was knocked unconscious because they asked someone to check in mm-hmm. to a Dimmix. And Animal Justice Party MP Andy Medic's daughter, Keelan, was assaulted in the mm. street. And so, yeah, the far right is out in force. They need to be fucking opposed. Uh, which leads me to our next story. So for a quick little positivity corner this week, I just wanted to shout out two actions that I that I went to over the last two days. So earlier today, I was at the Campaign Against Racism and Fascism rally here in Nam. Uh, and honestly, it felt really fucking good to be just out in the street, marching down, you know, the middle of the city. Mm-hmm taking over the road, surrounded by comrades, chatting about how fascists fucking suck. Uh, it was a good feeling. It's really nice to be able to do, as uh, Tom Tanaki would put it, boots on ground activism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was also nice to feel like slightly less of a hypocrite for encouraging people to go to a rally, which I didn't go to. Uh, but now I've gone to the follow-up, I feel slightly more at peace with myself, which is good. Um, and one side note to today's uh, calf rally was uh, yesterday Tom Tanaki put out a video, which I highly recommend that people watch, especially if you go to anti-fascist rallies. And it's about, he sort of details his suggested techniques for dealing with Mm alt-right videographer pests at these rallies. Lots of really helpful information in there. You know, at the last calf rally in Melbourne, there were some people who kind of tried to deal with RV Yemeni in, uh, shall we say, less than reproductive ways. And uh, this video, I think, you know, is helpful information for anybody who wants to go. And, like, if you see someone like Avi Yemeni, give you some ideas on what to do that aren't, isn't going to escalate the situation. Um, but basically, his main suggestion is do weird shit. Don't do confrontational shit. Just do weird shit. And this video came out today from the Calf mm-hmm. Rally in Nam. Um, Pretty of, fabulous. Yeah, it's amazing. Of one of the yelling at racist dogs crew interrupting Andy Nolch, who people might remember as uh, being convicted for defacing the memorial for Eurydice Dixon here in Mm, Melbourne. Of course. Um, Yeah, so he's like, you know, basically, he's a known misogynist and massive piece of shit and now becoming a sort of far-right agitator in the vein of someone like, um, uh, of Avi Yemeni. And Andy is sitting there on the street and he's kind of trying to conduct like a confrontational interview with some yeah. of these yardies. And one of them is just feeding him musk sticks. 
dressed as a Christmas elf as well. And yeah, he had him musk sticks. I saw him at the rally, that, that guy with the hat, and I was like, that's, you know, people are going to be able to spot you from a mile away, which is handy. You know, I feel like that maybe that's the technique. I don't know. You know, uh, but he's just, you know, basically, there's got a packet of musk sticks and he's just popping them into Andy Nolch's mouth and Andy Nolch is just sitting there and eating them. And it is the basically the fucking weirdest yeah. um, interruption of an alt-right pest that i've ever seen and so low-key as well yeah. like it's it's all like you know just slow conversation like this but it's you know pretty you know, so why are you a fascist um why do you hate freedom um but meanwhile just a slow and steady stream of musk sticks <laughs> just, going just insert themselves mouth. in the conversation yeah it's really quite i can't describe how it the feeling i got watching that video very fucking uh I mean, transcendental shit. Um, we retweeted it. Uh, you can go and what, see the video on our Twitter account. Uh, the other the other uh, action I attended uh, yesterday was one organized by the UniMel Casuals Network, which is a rally against the casualization, the rampant casualization at Melbourne Uni. That rally was uh, held outside the $1.5 million mansion of the vice chancellor of University of Melbourne, a mm-hmm. guy called Duncan Maskell. Oh, maybe his salary is $1.5 million and the mansion costs $1.2. Sorry. That's, uh, details are important. Um, so this was kind of kick- kicked off uh, after um, all this casual conversion bullshit that we've mm-hmm. talked about previously on the show. Uh, basically, that like 70% of the workers at Melbourne University are on casual contracts which is fucking garbage. And the university has refused to give any or almost any of those people uh, ongoing or secure work in any yep. way. So they're out there protesting uh, good on them. And it was great to sit, great to be there and see solidarity from workers from other universities and also other unions as well. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to send a shout out to those people. And, uh, you know, again, it just feels good to be out on the streets, surrounded mm-hmm. by people who give a fuck about important stuff and are trying to do something about it. Uh, and before I get off the, the subject, just because we mentioned uh, Cole's wage theft earlier in the piece, um, uh, it's worth mentioning that one of the other amazing things that workers at Melbourne Uni have accomplished over the last couple of years is uncovering huge wage theft at the institution and getting back something in the order of $15 million mm-hmm. for their staff. So Coles, I mean, that's fucking chump change. Catch up. Seriously. You know, how many more workers do you have than Melbourne Uni as well? If we're talking percentages here, you guys really need to step your game up. But it's not just Melbourne Uni where these massive wage theft is happening, being uncovered, and then being acted upon by workers. Sydney Uni has had to pay out just under $15 million. Mm -hmm. The Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology, around $10 million. Monash University, also here in Victoria, $8 million. It's just been, Yikes. it's, I mean, look, it's fucked. These numbers are fucked, obviously. And, and like these amounts that the university Presumably are, this is only part of what's right. gone missing. It's, in it's the a first fraction place. of what's been stolen, right. especially because there is like basically a time limit on how far back you, you can, can claim. claim. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the fact that some of this money is getting uh, clawed back is fucking amazing. And the fact that we're seeing it across the sector does show how completely broken and corporatized the tertiary education sector has become, which is upsetting to see. But we're seeing victory after victory on this front, and it is really, really fucking inspiring. So Mm -hmm. mad solidarity and respect to all of those workers and the union organizers from the NTEU and the Casuals Networks who are working so hard to 
give tertiary education employees just a decent working life. Doesn't real, seem like yeah. that much to ask, no. does it? But, and yet. Yet here we are. Okay. Well, thanks for that report back and Cook Watch Zach. Um, now we're going to move on to our First Nations story, and I will give a heads up um, for content warning for a death in custody for our first story. And our second story uh, is also about the death of an Indigenous person, but um, I'll get there in a sec. Um, yeah, so um, an Indigenous woman has died in custody in Victoria this week. Um, not a lot of information is publicly available, so I don't know where her country was. Um, and although I've seen her name published in a couple of places, I'm not sure what her family's wishes are about it, so I'm not going to use that name here. Yeah. Um, she was 30 years old, and she was being held in the Dame Phyllis Frost Women's Prison um, until she was taken to hospital and died in hospital um, uh, Yeah, at the beginning of this week. The Victorian Coroner's Court uh, will investigate, and no doubt that... Um, find whatever happened had nothing at all to do with systemic racism, um, as is always the case. Um, and they're due to give those preliminary findings in 28 days. Mm. Um, the prison claims that the, uh, you know, other women being held in prison there are, quote, also being supported and a smoking ceremony is being arranged. So, okay. Jeez. Marcus Stewart, who's the co-chair of the Victorian First Peoples Assembly, said that the death was heartbreaking and called for urgent systemic change. And he said, the system is geared against us, whether it's uh, from locking 10-year-olds up in prison, whether it's the over-incarceration rates and the growing number of Aboriginal people who are dying in custody in this country. It's completely unacceptable. Mm. Um, and yeah, so there, there have been... Uh, a huge number of deaths in custody in just the last two months in Australia. I think there's yeah. been something like uh, five or six Aboriginal people killed at the hands of police or in custody in just the last 60 days. Um, and it's been happening for a long time, but it seems like it's been getting worse recently. Um, and, yeah, it's been absolutely horrifying. Um uh, additionally, um, a, a woman of Pacific Islander background died in the Townsville Women's Prison just three days after this woman died um, in custody in Victoria. Um, yeah, so there, there was a snap rally held uh, on Friday by the Indigenous Social Justice Association uh -huh. and Stop Black Deaths in Custody. Um, and I'm sure more actions will come and I'm sure the family will... Uh, need support throughout the process of the coronial inquest. And, um, you know, we'll put links in the show notes to those two groups, the ISJA and Stop Black Deaths in Custody, um, so you can follow them um, and get more updates. And, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll try and keep you updated here as more info um, becomes available. Yeah. Um, so then just briefly, um, for our second story, uh, this is another content warning for death of an Indigenous person. So, yeah, this week, Yolngu Man and world-famous actor David Delatingu uh, has died. Um, his date of birth is not entirely clear. He was about 68. He started acting when he was around 16 um, in a film called Walkabout, and other big hits uh, include Storm Boy and Rabbit Proof Fence, um, and he's load, uh, won loads of awards and had numerous documentaries made about him and a stage show and all sorts of stuff. So um, um, a, a lot of other uh, media outlets are covering his life and stuff in a lot more detail. So um, if you're interested, there's more about that. But we just thought he's um, an important um, and highly visible 
young new man um and uh was important to mention his passing yeah cool thanks for taking us through those first nation stories dune um let's move on now now what starts with the letter c cookie starts with c let's think of other things that starts with c uh, ah, who cares about the other things yeah no one cares about the other things um, yeah, that's right. This is the uh, climate change uh, section where we talk about the things starting with C that, that no one cares about. Um, and just very briefly, the Labour Party has put out a deeply underwhelming but honestly better than I expected 2030 target of a 43% reduction in carbon emissions. Yay slash boo. <laughs> No one gives a shit. Literally, no one cares. All right. Um, well, the story that I actually want to talk about, Zach, unless you have any opinions about no, that beyond no I one I think cares. you summed it up pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty succinctly. Yeah. Um, the thing that I actually wanted to talk about is new evidence that suggests Australia is wildly underreporting our emissions. I can see you doing your deeply shocked face, Zach. That's you look my, so shocked. That's my Home Alone... Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, this story is mostly from an ABC article by Steve Kinane, which I, again, will put in, uh, a link to in the show notes because I thought it was very good. Um, so basically, a former fossil fuel executive named Christian Lalong, who, you know, worked at BHP and Goldman Sachs, not exactly a lightweight in terms wow. of fossil fuel <laughs> shit. Uh, he's currently at an English company called Kairos. Um, and he has used data from the European Space Agency and a bunch of other sources, like meteorological records, to measure methane leaks from fossil fuel industry sites around the world. Uh, Is he, like, trying to make up for some of the horrific damage that he's done, do you think? <sighs> Did the story not go into his emotional rationale for measuring methane leaks? Nah, but no, but I do. Okay. All right. it, I would Just suspect it still pays well. That would be my guess. Uh, no, I mean, Christian no, no. Lalong is not fucking with peanuts. Okay? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so he said this. Uh, we found the emissions for all the 50-odd mines in the Bowen Basin in Queensland in total add up to about 1.5 million tons of methane per year. According to federal government figures for the same period, only a third of that amount of methane was reported in the area. So mm. yeah, roughly three times more methane from this one like bunch of mines. Um, he also said that that Bowen Basin uh, appeared to have a carbon footprint roughly equivalent to a medium-sized country like Austria or the Czech Republic. Jesus Christ. So that's cool. Um, We're really just fucking world leaders in... World leaders. Accelerating climate change. In everything bad. It's not oh, just boy. that. Literally no. every bad thing. We are, we are like, Tip setting spear, examples. Bleeding edge evil. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, the ABC article mentions at the recent... COP26 Climate Change Summit, over 100 nations signed a pledge to reduce methane levels by 30% by 2030. Australia's government did not sign the agreement, and the opposition Labour Party has no plans to sign up to the pledge if it wins at the next election. So that's cool. Sweet. Um, the ABC asked Angus Taylor, uh, you know, the Minister for Energy and Falsifying Documents, um, about... <laughs> this uh nice. three times extra methane thing um and his <laughs> office said the department of industry science energy and resources is not looking for data analytics services from london and that the chaos data wasn't very good though as the abc says 
that has not stopped the UN's new International Methane Emissions Observatory from working with Kairos, which is some <laughs> delightful journalistic shade. Also in this article, the ABC mentions a recent Dutch study, which I read most of, um, and from the abstract, says, um, they, we analyzed six surface and underground coal mines, which are estimated to account for 7% of the national coal production, while emitting about 55% of the reported methane emissions from coal mining in Australia. Wow. Our results indicate that for two of the three locations, our satellite-based estimates are significantly higher than reported to the Australian government. Uh, Angus Taylor has some brass stones on him to be talking about the quality of data. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus yep. Christ. Yeah, so that's polite science speak for the miners are lying to the government. Um, lying by quite a lot. Yeah, so and we already the official numbers already show that we are very bad. It's too much, even if we weren't lying. But it's way worse. Yeah, so seven (sighs) percent of mining accounting for fifty-five percent of reported emissions. That's roughly eight times more. uh, It's like seven point eight times more. That's and in the study they said one mine accounted for twenty percent of Australia's reported uh, emissions from coal mining. So if this is general, right? So it, it's possible. It's just these six mines that they were looking at that are massively underreporting it. But if this trend is broader across the whole of Australia, we could be emitting five to ten times more than we're currently telling the world. Five to ten times more is too much. We, we, we just don't need any more fucking surprises you know we don't we're need any more curveballs we're already fucked we're already turbo fucked yeah and we're talking as well about an industry here you know labor 43 percent yeah fucking whatever right yeah they, they're not saying that they're gonna stop gas mining no this they're, isn't gas mining this oh this is, is gas emissions, emissions from, coal. from yeah. coal mines which well, is they're not saying they're gonna stop Coal mining either, either, which makes your targets fucking pointless, especially because actually emissions are five to ten times worse. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if we do 43% of the, like, one eighth (laughs) of what we are telling everyone that we're doing, like, we'll just, like, it's shocking. Yeah, so I would be surprised if this was an Australia-only thing, but as we have recently established that, we are world leaders in being absolutely fucking evil. Um, And just... To finish this off, uh, a spokesperson for Glencore, who operates some of these mines that this this Dutch study was looking at, um, a spokesperson from Glencore said in a statement, it is not credible that a single open-cut coal operation is responsible for 20% of the industry's total annual methane emissions. Like, yeah, Mm. that's the point, bro. You're lying about all of them. (laughs) You're you're right, but not in the way that you mean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It so, is definitely not credible. <laughs> I feel like our no one cares about the other thing um, sting is especially relevant this week for this yeah, story. Wow. Um, the government has just straight up been like, yeah, we don't care about that. Uh, uh-huh. So anyway, there you go. Um, um, it's bad. Well, <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, nothing's going to happen about it. So why even bother thinking about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad that we can uh, now move on. <laughs> To our main segment this week. Yeah, so now our main story this week is uh, going to be a bit of a long one. It's it's kind of a few stories wrapped up into one, and I'll give a, a content warning here for 
in a general sense, we're going to be discussing uh, misogyny. We're going to be discussing sexual harassment and sexual assault. And there's not going to be a huge amount of detail about specific instances. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, you know, what the, the conversation yep. is about. Um, so this is another story or group of stories about how uh, parliament and politics is fucked and extremely misogynist and horrible for women. Um, so unfortunately there have been a number of stories this week that, um, fit that theme. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the, uh, with, with Alan Tudge, uh, who is the Minister for Education? Uh, so you might remember uh, last year that Alan Tudge's former media advisor, Rochelle Miller, uh, revealed on an episode of Four Corners that she had had an affair with him mm-hmm. a few years prior. Now, this week, she's come out again and, and, and has said that that affair was actually emotionally and physically abusive, which was not something that she had previously spoken about. So... It's also important to remember, I think, that central to the initial story, you know, the scandal wasn't just, like, the affair, which, you know, don't cheat on your partner if you can absolutely help it, but, like, that's, you know, it's the, you know, the story at the time was that it was a consensual relationship between two adults. But the kind of really shit thing about the whole situation was that Tudge basically completely torpedoed Miller's career when they mm-hmm. stopped seeing each other. Miller says that she was belittled, humiliated, and essentially blacklisted when they broke up. Um, And so now she's come out and saying that that relationship, in fact, yeah, like I mentioned, was emotionally and physically abusive, which Alan Tudge has, of course, denied. And I think he's full of shit. I believe Miller. I have absolutely no reason not to. So Tudge has been stood down as a minister while an investigation is undertaken uh, at Scott Morrison's request. Um, The the analysis from the Guardian on, on, on this was that um, he has learnt that he can't just not do anything in these situations anymore, uh, hence okay. this kind of swift response. Uh, so this uh, investigation is going to be led by the same public servant who did the Dyson Hayden investigation, which I think was last year. I mean, you remember he was a, a high court justice yep. um, who, uh, yeah, basically was a serial sexual assaulter of his staff. Um, so yeah, the public servant who's heading this up seems to basically have good form on this. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to take a, a brief detour, uh, in this story for a quick blurst take. It was the best of takes. It was the blurst of takes. You stupid monkey. <laughs> when I was researching uh, a different section of this uh, multi-story story, I came across this piece uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald by uh, an opinion columnist called Parnell Palm McGuinness, who I've never heard of Great before. Great yep. Yeah. And the first half of the article is about Bridget Archer, which we're going to get onto later and was kind mm-hmm. of like, Bridget Archer is actually uh, very strong and brave for doing what she was doing. And I was reading it being like, hmm, yeah, okay, cool. And then the second half of the article was about Rochelle Miller. And it was like, oh, no. And uh, I've just pulled a quote from it here. In fact, the reaction from many women I know across the political spectrum has been a kind of horror that a woman would choose to cast off her agency so lightly. Embarking on an affair might have been a terrible decision, but it was hers at least as much as it was his. The reaction of almost every woman I have spoken to about this has boiled down to one question. 
If a woman can't take responsibility for a poor choice or a bad decision, how can they take on the responsibility of leadership? Wow, what the fuck? Yeah, this is really, really fucking disgusting stuff. What? I mean, yeah, it's kind of mind-bogglingly... Again... I was shocked to read this type of shit in the Sydney Morning Herald, to be honest. And maybe that's naive of me. Maybe I shouldn't be. But it was also kind of buried in the second yeah, half of the article. Yeah, I read the first half of that article and was like, oh, this seems fine. Then yeah. didn't bother with the rest of it because I felt like I'd got the vibe. But apparently... I had not. No, and, and it's like in this sec, like Rochelle Miller's not mentioned in the headline or anything, so it's quite sort of buried in there. Uh, but it's just this fucking MRA argument of like, oh, actually, it's sexist to say that women experience discrimination or abuse because you're making them sound weak, which is yeah. just like, yep. like such a fucking intellectually bereft argument. I don't think I need to even elaborate on why that's bullshit. But also this idea of, like, you voluntarily entered this relationship, therefore you must bear the consequences, is like, yeah. what the fuck kind of thinking is that? That is just so, it, it's so horrible. From my understanding, she's not denying that she entered into the relationship consensually, but she didn't consent, consent to, to emotional and physical abuse. Like, it's what? pretty what? basic stuff. Things, actually, uh, I, I, author of this piece. Yeah. Ms. McGuinness. Yeah, Parnell Palm McGuinness. It's a big, it's a, it's a no from me on this piece and on this writer who I've never heard of before and hopefully never hear from again. But I think that the, I mean the, 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 you know that this piece was published in a major masthead and and you know this response to Rochelle Miller coming out and being like, yeah, actually this relationship I had with my boss was abusive, and the re the response is, ah, oh, well, it's it's your own fault. And you just have to suck it up. And the fact that you're not accepting responsibility for your own abuse makes you a bad feminist or something. Yeah. It's like so fucking disgusting. So that gives you an idea of the tenor of like public discussion around these Great. issues, right? Such a good start. Yeah. And, you know, in case anyone was in any doubt, Ellen Tudge is obviously a huge piece of shit and a misogynist, I think, that we can all feel fairly solid on that fact. But let's now talk about Christian Porter. Um, I mean, on a very related subject. So he announced this week that he's quitting politics. Uh -huh. And without wanting to be overly generous to him, good riddance to an absolute pile of fucking human garbage. Mm -hmm. uh, so people will probably remember that... Um, uh, last year, uh, a letter accusing him of rape was made public. Uh, sorry, that was earlier this year. Uh, he denied it and refused to step, uh, step aside from being mm -hmm. uh, the Attorney General because he's a morally bankrupt sack of shit. Uh, and then he sued the ABC for defamation around, uh, for you know over an article about the case. Yep. He eventually withdrew from that case. Then Scott Morrison was like, you probably can't be Attorney General and also sue the National Broadcaster. Uh, and so shuffled... Uh, Porter into a different cabinet position and then there was the whole one million dollars of anonymous legal funding yeah. thing which yeah that's what eventually forced him out of cabinet so like the one principle that this man fucking stood fuck for, with their money no the the one thing that he put his own personal success on the line for was protecting the identity of political donors like yep. no one's life will be the poorer for having this fucking Wretch-inducing maggot out of politics. I mean, he's he's just an absolute stain on public life in this in this fucking country. So, anyway, uh, he's going to be gone soon, which is well, good, good. Uh, but 
don't worry, the legacy of his misogyny, arrogance, and complete lack of moral fiber is alive and well in well, the rest good. of the Liberal Party. Uh, and now we're going to move on to what is kind of the, the main section of this story, which is about Bridget Archer, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So, Noon, this is kind of a follow-up um, to a story that we discussed last week. Right. Um, we've kind of got a little bit more information about uh, what went down. Yeah. Um, so, last week we mentioned that several uh, coalition MPs had crossed the floor for various reasons, and mm-hmm. one of them was Bridget Archer. So, she's the member for Bass in, in Tasmania. It's in north... Mm-hmm. Yeah, n- kind of northeastern Tasmania. It, it encompasses, like, uh, Launceston and mm-hmm. the surrounding areas. So, she's kind of a moderate liberal. Um, one of the things that she's known for is criticizing the cashless welfare card. Mm-hmm. She abstained cool. from that vote. She didn't vote against it. She just abstained sure. from it. Sure. Um, but, you know, calling her a moderate liberal means that she still does things like vote against climate action. Obviously a terrible person, but one of the better terrible people in that particular bad so person club. All these things are relative. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that she's been doing uh, lately has been arguing for changes to the current uh, religious discrimination bill. She wants more protection for queer kids. So, you know, that's a stand-up move. Uh, we also we mentioned that bill... I, I think I last week said that she said that she was in the Liberal Party because the Liberal Party lets you vote against the party line, uh, which goes to show like how much she subscribes to their ideology and also how different the Labour Party ideology is. But like... Sure. Yeah. Uh, she did, She does seem to exercise that right from time to time, uh, unlike many other people in that party. Yep. Uh, so that religious discrimination bill, just by the by, has been sent to committee. So we mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, we're not going to hear any more about it for a while, uh, but we definitely haven't seen the last of it, especially because it's going to a very liberal friendly committee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that basically it's being put off until after the election and then um, we might hear some more about it next year. So... The reason that Archer crossed the floor last week, as we mentioned, was that she was voting against the government on a private member's bill to establish a federal ICAC, an independent commission against corruption, mm-hmm. um, which is like, again, all the stuff that she's breaking with the libs on is like, yeah, cool. Good. Yes. Good. And so you should. Yeah. yeah. We should have a federal now ICAC. Now do everything else. Yes. Uh, n- now leave the party. But the... Leaving the but uh, voting for a federal ICAC against your party is like yep, yeah big good. big two thumbs up good. from here, um, and we mentioned last week that there was this photo going around of Josh Frydenberg standing over Bridget Archer after that vote. Mm-hmm. Bridget Archer seemed to be sort of wiping away tears, and there was a lot of commentary on social media that you know it looked like she was basically being menaced by yep. Josh Frydenberg. And Bridget Archer denied this at, at the time. She said Josh came to speak to me. That photo sort of did look like he was lecturing me or something. But he was being pleasant. He was saying, are you okay? And that's where we left the story last week. Yes. Now we know a little bit more. Bridget Archer, just before Frydenberg was speaking to her, had also been asked to have a meeting with Scott Morrison by text message. Now, she said that she wanted to wait. She was feeling emotional, emotionally vulnerable, which mm-hmm. like... Completely reasonable. Totally fair. She's like very publicly contradicting her party and colleagues... Yep. You know, and it was a surprise move as well. Like, they didn't know it was coming. Yep. Um, I know that I would be absolutely shaking with nerves if I had oh, to do 100%. anything like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then what happened next with Frydenberg is that he told Bridget Archer, oh, just come to my office for a chat. Then he actually took her to Scott Morrison's office, where Morrison was waiting with Minister for Foreign Affairs and Women, Maurice Payne. Now, all of this 
was totally unknown to Bridget Archer. It was essentially an ambush. Here's a quote from her. I don't have any issue with having the conversation, but I felt emotional. I couldn't think straight. I needed to calm down. I thought I was just going to have a one-on-one with Josh. I spent the first half of the conversation crying and apologizing. I just really felt that I would have liked to have had the conversation later in the day. Mm -hmm. Like... So reasonable. Just a very fair thing to ask. Like, yes, you know... It's I natural realized this was a disruptive you... thing. Uh, talk to my boss about it. Uh, like, I knew this was going to have an impact and that people would want to talk about it. But, like, give Let's... me 20 minutes. Seriously. And a cup of tea. Yeah. But that said that, like, uh, that she says, I thought I was just going to have a one-on-one with Josh. Yep. And then and then he actually, like, base, you know, he, he hauls her into the Prime Minister's office. So cruel. Really, re- just really gross that, like, he's sort of sent out as, like, you know, he's known to be kind of a fairly amiable guy, or sure. so I'm led to believe by political commentators, you know. A- again, these things are relative. But you send out someone like Frydenberg to kind of, like, you know speak you know as a non-threatening front yep and then to like you know trap her essentially in this meeting mm-hmm. with morrison it's just so cooked anyway yep. morrison says oh the meeting was all chill this is a friendly chat between two mates uh which you know yeah i don't think we need to unpack that you, you don't need to believe anything that man says bridget archer says that morrison offered her a pair which is pretty fucking insulting if okay. you don't know a pair is basically uh, oh, if you if you need to leave Parliament... Oh, I thought you meant a piece of fruit. Sorry. Okay. Go on. I'm with you now. I was like, that's a random detail for this story. No, but... it's it's a political term, which basically means yes. if you need to take some pot, some time away from Parliament, uh, the uh, like, according to tradition, the, the opposing major party will also remove someone else so the numbers are even and no one gets an unfair advantage because someone is off because they're sick or whatever. So yeah. that's what a pair means. We, I think we talked about it a little bit last week as well. Yeah. In case you're not familiar with that, it's a bit, a bit of a you know political nerd term. But yeah, so, so Morrison was like, do you need me to organize time off for you? Because right. you are so, obviously, so emotional about this. And Bridget Archer says that although she was upset, she stuck to her guns and was like, yeah, nah, I'm fine. We should have a, fe- a federal ICAC. And, like, you know, mm-hmm. credit where it's due, I do think that what she did this week took bravery and integrity. Totally. And, yeah. and, like, to conduct herself this way, you know, while she clearly was feeling very emotionally vulnerable, yeah, I mean, I think it does it does show strength. So, you know. Yeah. Um. There was an article I read this week, and I'm sorry, I don't, I can't remember the details, but there was mm. some other former liberal MP who was a woman yes. who... Julia Banks. It was Julia Banks, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you going to talk about this and the yeah. manipulation? Okay, great. I'll let you yeah. get to it. That's fine. So, yeah, I mean, Julia Banks, who left the Liberal Party, I think it was earlier this year, um, she said that this shit is a pattern that she has experienced mm-hmm. before under Morrison. Um, so she describes that when she, uh, she, uh, no, sorry, she resigned when, uh, Morrison rolled Turnbull. That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but she'd been in the party for a while. And so she remembers having this meeting with Morrison where she was going to offer her resignation. And, and, uh, she describes herself quote as measured and resolute in that meeting. And she had this meeting with Morrison and Morrison convinced her to delay her resignation by 24 hours and she was like, okay, I guess, you know, you don't want to have the resignation in the press like when you've just become leader, et cetera, et cetera. Morrison then immediately backgrounds her resignation Leaked to the it. press. Yeah. Yep. 
and saying that she'd had an emotional breakdown and then go went on to like Such a piece paint shit. himself as this like good friend and colleague who yep. was offering her emotional support in this trying, in this trying time. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when she resigned, it completely made it look like it had nothing to do with him and that she was some emotional woman and like couldn't hack being in parliament, but Scotty was all right. And it completely like yeah. silenced her, yeah. which and was it, this the is entire al- point. Right. And this is almost the, the exact same playbook that he's using with Bridget Archer. Like this is clearly a fucking pattern of behavior. Now, Julia Banks also said something interesting about Frydenberg. Here's a uh-huh. quote from uh, a piece that, she, the, that piece that you mentioned. I think it was in the Sydney Morning Herald. It was, sure. it was nine Fairfax. When I crossed the floor and became an independent, the same players used to control. The same players used to control Archer were deployed to control me. Frydenberg played good cop, trying to lure me and ambush me, showering praise on me, declaring we were quote very good friends, while saying I had to meet the prime minister. These guys basically have they have a fucking tactic that they yeah, yeah. that they deploy against women that they're trying to control within their party. It's it's fucking plain as day. It couldn't be any more obvious. I mean, what makes it even more obvious is that as we discussed last week and I mentioned earlier in the segment that Bridget Archer is only was only one of many liberal national MPs across uh-huh. the floor. Um, but she was the only one to be ambushed with a private meeting by the Prime Minister. George yeah, Christensen and Lou O'Brien, the national parties, the national uh, MPs who voted against the government on vax mandates, didn't get pulled in. Mm-hmm. Gerard Rennick, the Liberal yeah. senator who accidentally abstained from the ABC SBS inquiry vote, didn't get pulled into Scott Morrison's yep. office. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, to sum up, these guys have a fucking MO. They have a plan and a strategy that they deploy repeatedly mm-hmm. to quote unquote handle yeah. women who don't toe the line within their party. Yeah. And like, it's really very fucking dark stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these kinds of news stories about, oh, Scott Morrison said this, this text message was sent at X time. A lot of it is inside baseball bullshit. I think this is actually really fucking telling. This isn't. For real. Mm, this isn't it's, fucking body language analysis, you know. Some guy, like, oh, he's so smug when he's smirking. This is this is his the way that he operates his party. But this is also like, you know, we've all got unlearned misogyny that we need. Sorry, you know, misogyny that we need to unlearn yeah. and whatever, whatever. This is clearly they've had multiple conversations about, all right, this is how we're going to manipulate these women into being silent and powerless. Um, And they, they practiced it and rehearsed it and are like, okay, do the shut up the woman now routine routine. Go Josh. Yeah. Um, And it's like, like it in some ways feels worse than like pickup artists or whatever. Very, very similar vibe. Yeah. It's a similar vibe, but like, you know, pickup artists are pretty straightforward with how horrible they are and how little they think of the women that they're trying to manipulate. Whereas Morrison pretends to be a family man who's a regular old dad and who's just a relatable old, you know. And we're learning about this. You know, we're taking steps forward and we all want what's best for everybody. Yeah, this whole fucking smoke and mirrors, this song and dance about progress and all, I actually give a fuck, I swear to God. It's bullshit. It's it's top to bottom bullshit. I mean, 
everybody knows that this man is full of shit, but this shit is fucking, it's unconscionable. I mean, yeah. just the, the total disconnect between the shit that he claims to feel and believe and his actions is, it's, it's, it's a fucking Grand Canyon. Yep. You know, it's, there's, and it's an empty gulf where a fucking moral backbone should be. It's just a void. Anyway, on to the last segment. Listeners, you just missed a full 10 minutes of Zach describing holes um, in various <laughs> ways, um, but I have instructed him to cut it. So. <laughs> uh, oh, man, I have so many more um, synonyms. Ways to, to describe the yeah. absence of things. Let me just close thesaurus.com. Um, and let me talk about the last, uh, the, the last thing I wanted to touch on uh, in regards to this uh, theme of parliament being fucked and misogynist which is the set to standard report um which i'm sure that most people have heard uh, a little bit about if you follow the news at all so this um was a report that was conducted by the australian human rights commission and led by the sex discrimination commissioner kate jenkins mm -hmm. uh you might remember kate jenkins from her last report into workplace culture which was called respect at work uh which she finished in 2020 and then the government just ignored for a year until That's Brittany right. Higgins came forward. Yep. Uh, and so we actually talked about it earlier this year. Um, so it might feel like, oh, that's a lot of uh, very long reports. Or... Yeah. <laughs> but no. Well, it did, but the report was finished, yeah, over a year ago because the, this government is a bunch of misogynist assholes. So yeah, this new report, so the Set the Standard report, is into sort of, you know, the, the culture of parliament and it was commissioned after Brittany Higgins came forward. Mm -hmm. Um and so I'll read a, just a, a little quote from the executive summary of the report to give you an idea of what's a, what, what it's about. The review's terms of reference asked it to make recommendations to ensure that Commonwealth parliamentary workplaces are safe and respectful and that the nation's parliament reflects best practice in the prevention and handling of bullying, sexual harassment, and sexual assault, which sounds a little bit like a fucking joke considering that we've just been talking about Alan Tudge, Christian Porter, Scott Morrison, Bridget Archer, and Julia Banks. Like, Parliament is the opposite of all of those things. Uh -huh. uh, but there's... But you know, I mean, you know, it's it's an aspirational statement and it's being it is. written with the express purpose of finding why it's not like that. But... Yeah, that is true. And I don't, does... mean, I don't mean to denigrate the work of this report because it seems very solid. Um, but reading that was fucking grating after sure. you know, yes. <laughs> basically yeah, 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 being yeah. immersed in in now, accounts is it possible <laughs> don't sugarcoat it for me but might there be a teensy weensy tiny little culture problem at parliament house there the report finds there might be yes yes <laughs> <laughs> report finds yes so uh i won't go into a huge amount of detail about the methodology but essentially they surveyed around uh, there were like 1,700 individual responses and those are made up of a bunch of different things, but 500 of them were uh, like interviews, spoken face-to-face -face interviews or some of them over Zoom. Um, so, it, you know, it's quite like, it's quite in-depth qualitative data mm -hmm. that they've got here. Um, and just to give you a little bit of context for some of the numbers that I'm going to start to talk about, Commonwealth parliamentary workplaces encompass 227 parliamentarians and 2,250 staffers, roughly speaking. So, you know, 
bit over two hundred and bit over two hundred politicians, roughly ten staff each on average. Okay. And that's kind of the the scale of the the workplace that we're talking about here, or the various workplaces. And this is federal parliament, right? Yeah, the, the house and the Senate. exactly okay. Commonwealth parliamentary workplace. Okay, sure, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the findings. Parliament is completely fucked as a workplace. The culture is just awful and misogynist, and you know. This is known, right? This is known. Surprised literally no one. Right, I mean, Scott Morrison. Yeah. the report was commissioned because everyone was like, oh, I guess we can't hide this anymore Yeah. Uh, after Brittany Higgins. And, you know, I mean, like there's all of this um, testimony in the report of people being like, yep, everybody who works here knows about this. It's literally impossible to avoid. Mm-hmm. So let's... Pull some numbers from the report to fill in some of that detail. Wait. Yeah. One in three people currently working in parliamentary workplaces have experienced some form of sexual harassment. Around 1% have experienced some form of actual or attempted sexual assault. Over half of all people in Commonwealth parliamentary workplaces have experienced at least one incident of bullying, sexual harassment, or actual or attempted sexual assault. And... These figures all break down further, exactly as you imagine, with women and queer people experiencing bullying, sexual harassment, and sexual assault at higher rates Massively more, than, yeah. than anybody else. Yeah, 63% of female parliamentarians experienced sexual harassment. That is fucking enraging. Yep. Like, that is so, that's so bad. The national average for women is, is 39%, right. which is that's already, like... N- nearly double yeah. the horrifying like general totally, population levels. Yeah. Wow. That's... Like, and that's, the, and theme. that's the women who are parliamentarians, yes. who are presumably the women with the most power in the right. building. Yep. Um, yeah. Yikes! And that's the constant theme of this uh, of this report, and you know that I think again, you know, it's been sort of a- an open secret or widely right, understood right, right. for a while that like Parliament is so fucking regressive as everyone. yeah, so much yeah. worse than an average workplace or or just society in general, which is still deeply misogynist and fucked. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you know, again, no... we're, like we were talking about those uh, extra emissions before. It's like things were already really bad. We don't need five to ten times worse we don't than need, that. We don't, need yeah. things, we don't need it to be worse, and yet, here we are. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought um, was, you know, very kind of... The, the other thing in this report, which again, it's not exactly new, but it made this really explicit. Members of Parliament don't really have a boss. If they, you know, sexually assault or harass someone... They don't really have a boss that can, they can be reported to. Like, the closest thing right, is, right. is their party leader. Um, but there's this total lack of accountability mm-hmm. for their behavior. And that's like, there's so much testimony in this report about that. And that's one of the recommendations that the report brings, right? To set up an independent parliamentary reporting. Exactly, yeah. Well, yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about the recommendations? So, right. um, yeah, they, they, the, one of the things is that they recommend. Uh, is developing and introducing a new code of conduct within a year. In other words, they say you should actually have it written down somewhere that it's against the rules for politicians to sexually harass their staff. Um, seems seems basic, but now it's there uh, in black and white. 
the uh, to, and it, then, to not do. <laughs> and then following on from that, as you say, Noon, one of the other recommendations is to establish an independent parliamentary standards commission. Also, that's recommended to happen within a year. And that's going to be a place where people can make disclosures and complaints about misconduct. And the recommendations also say that this commission should have the ability to sanction members of parliament yeah, for breaking yeah. codes of conduct. Because at the moment, you've got um, you know, ministerial it. standards, which it's are enforced. It's up to Scott Morrison to exactly. decide whether or not to enforce it. Yeah. And we've seen how well fucking that has worked out. Yeah. Um, uh, other recommendations include uh, having targets for diversity and inclusion amongst parliamentarians and staff. So they say, you know, there should be a 10-year strategy to achieve a gender balance and increased representation of, of First Nations, people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, uh, you know, queer people, people with disabilities. Um, one of the other things that I came across from researching this story is that the Liberal Party does have a a target for... Uh, representation, representation for women and it's like yeah 50 percent by 2025 or something and it just like i, I don't know just the the a mirror image of their climate targets of like yeah sure we'll do this thing by a time we have no plan for how to get there but you know we said we'd do it right don't worry we don't really care so it'll be fine we don't care neither should you um and one of the other uh things that the the report recommends is a review of the members of parliament in brackets, Staff Act, aka yes. the Mops Act, Mops which Act. You, you'll hear, you know, commentators and and uh, and, us. and and us <laughs> using that term. And we discussed uh, it was one of the things very early on in the piece when Brittany Higgins first came mm-hmm. forward. One of the first kind of practical things that was brought up was that basically people who work at Parliament under the Mops Act are essentially carved out from all other workplace protections that are enshrined in law. So all this fucked shit happens and they have no recourse. Contributing to I wonder if that's it. I wonder if that could be part of the of problem. Harassment. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, who, who can say? So yeah, a review of that act and basically more protections for people working under the MOPS Act is another major recommendation of the report, which I think is good because it does reflect things that have been called for by the people who've been victimized right, right, by this right. fucked place. Um <laughs> And then there's also a bunch of recommendations about leadership something something, which seem like a bunch of bullshit to me because okay. look who we've got in look who look who can, our leaders are. Can you give me an example? No, because I didn't read into them that much. They were just yeah, like, there should be leadership from people at the top of these political parties and systems, and I was like, Yeah, sure, fucking whatever. I'll t- talk a little bit later about um <laughs> I guess my slightly different interpretation of leadership. Uh, but before we get there, we've talked about the findings, we've talked about the recommendations. Now let's briefly go over what the initial government response has been. Okay. Uh, so I watched as much as I could stomach of the Scott Morrison press conference that responded to this. Okay. Um, which Thanks for taking that one for the team. Was Yeah, I mean, more of his voice than I would have liked to have put in my Saturday morning, but hey... I volunteer to make this podcast. Uh, So, look, in general, Morrison's thoughts were, uh, I wish I could say I was more surprised. Um, Fuck you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm pleased that our government responded so quickly. Um, Have you, though? Yeah, have you, have you, have you done? Uh, this is not a report into the government. This is a report into the culture of this place, and we all share responsibility. And he name-checked, like, a bunch of other parties being like, we've all got problems. And like, yeah, bro, but why don't you start with fucking yours? Yeah, you I mean, see, shit. This, is, this is where the, like, 
well, we need leadership thing, like, both comes in and totally fails. Yes. It's like, what we need from our leaders is for him to not try and minimize the optics or whatever he's constantly trying to do, and instead be like, yeah, we fucked this up. We're going to try to not keep doing this. Like, (laughs) that's all you need to say. End of press conference. We're accepting all of the recommendations without any question because if we changed it no doubt it would be to benefit ourselves and we need to stop doing that goodbye i gotta say noon i much preferred your press conference to to morrison succinct next time maybe i'll just watch yours terrible yeah there was also a bunch of uh prop comedy of you know scott morrison classic classic prop comedy of business um, but how and why yeah, uh, just holding up a physical copy of the report and waving it around. And basically every time he holds up the report, you can hear the cameras fucking going crazy and he puts it down and the camera noise quiets down again. It's just so much theatre. And this is, as you say, Noon, all this fucking talking to say nothing, or, uh, or to, to say fault. we're not responding. And yeah. I want to play you a clip uh, from this, and I'm sorry to subject you to it. You know, there's a bunch of other kind of ones that are a bit more piffy, which you can hear if you go and listen to the Guardian full sure, story sure. about this. You don't need me to replay them. You probably have already listened to that. But here's one that uh, that I thought, I don't know, it just really, it's a really good example of what his attitude is, of how he chooses to respond to this kind of Hit thing. Hit me. So the report found that 51% of MOPSACT employees experienced or reported bullying, sexual harassment or sexual assault. What do you plan to do about the MOPS Act? And this is something that Brittany Higgins did ask when she met with you. You said it was her right to ask, your right to consider. Do you regret dismissing her at that time? Well, has I did. this opened your eyes? Well, no, I, I, I did not dismiss it um, because these matters were being considered by... by Commissioner Jenkins in this very report and Commissioner Jenkins has made recommendations in relation to that and uh, and we look forward to now making our response to those recommendations so uh, no I, I, I don't accept that that it was dismissed no I wasn't dismissing it now shut up and set the fuck down and but all, like it's like well but also the, there's a report and then we look forward to making our response to the report and like just and uh, just this she has total... a right to request and i have a right to consider i a right disgusting... to completely ignore it like yeah no exactly no one's denying your right to be a giant piece of shit my friend we're just saying that you shouldn't do it like i think it, it's also it's it's just so indicative of all this fucking talking and absolutely no action but not even the backbone to commit to action. Right. Because we, we all know, we, we, the whole rest of this segment has been about what Scott Morrison actually fucking does. You know, he, he manipulates and silences women in his day-to-day operations mm-hmm. as the leader of this country. And then he gets up in front of the cameras and waves around a report and says, we look forward to making our response. Fuck you, bro. This shit is absolutely fucking disgusting. And on those recommendations, by the way, you remember right at work, Kate Jenkins' previous report. Right. Yep. Yep. The government said that they would accept all 55 of those recommendations. And then they voted against 49 of them. So, yeah, I'm not personally, I'm not holding my breath for the government's government's response response to this report. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, And (laughs) just to put uh, one final little um, nail in that response coffin. 
this week was Fran Kelly's last week on Radio National mm-hmm. Breakfast, something mm-hmm. that I don't particularly care about. But her final interview was with Brittany Higgins and Grace Tame, and it is pretty it. fucking good. Yeah. And I would recommend going and giving yeah. it a listen. Um, and in that interview, Fran Kelly is like, so what do you reckon? Like, uh, what do you reckon about the government's response here? And they're both like, yep, yeah, Morrison is completely full of shit. Nothing has changed, and we don't believe that he's going to do anything. And Grace Tame explicitly pointed to the situation with Bridget Archer this week and was like, that's what he's actually like, if you want to know. So, yeah, there we are. Great. Essentially, you know, we can't actually say that anything has changed yet, right? But I do think that we can say that actor that, that activists like Brittany Higgins and Grace Tame really have pushed the conversation forward in, in a meaningful way. Definitely. And, you know, of course, they stand on the shoulders of... Of a, of a feminist movement with a, with a deep and broad history. Uh, but, that, I mean, the only re- reason change is even being hinted at now is because people like them have, you know, come forward and, at, you know, a huge fucking personal cost, you know, put themselves in the position of having to expose their trauma, but have really fucking made shit happen. And I know, you know, we're a radical left-wing podcast and, and the, you know... Mainstream feminist movement has a long way to go. There are big gaps in their approach. But, you know, listening to Higgins and Tame on that interview with, with Fran Kelly, I was just like, this is this is leadership. Yeah. This is the real leadership. Yeah. Leadership isn't going to come from the people at the tops of these fucked political parties who are so deeply embedded in this misogynist culture that they can't even bring themselves to say that they'll think about doing something about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Real leadership is people like Higgins and Tame who have taken the responsibility for making change upon themselves and gone out there and fucking done what they can to make it happen. You know, and of course, you know, the many, many people who support them <laughs> and the many people who have made it possible for them to come forward. So, you know, Reports are often basically a way for a prime minister or a political party to wave around a document and make it look like they're doing something. But this shit is pretty fucking black and white. You know, this report is, it. you know, it's well, very clear about the, what the issue is. It's like the, one of the really disappointing things about our whole system of government in this country is that it seems like it should work, you know? And, like, we get mm. these reports and they're, they're, you know, there's inquiries into important things and there are reports done about things because we're like, wow, this is a real problem. Let's fucking deal with it. And then nothing happens about it. And, you know, we've talked, I don't know how many times this year, about the uh, Royal Commission into Deaths and Custody, Indigenous Deaths and mm. Custody, and yet the country is murdering more Aboriginal people in custody now than ever before. And we've had that report for 25 years or whatever it is, and and no one who has the power to implement it seems to want to do it. And, like, once again, we get this report that I'm sure is full of really good ideas that will significantly improve the situation, and it's going to be left in another desk drawer for another three years until... Mm. Some like you, you know, like it's just yeah. 
It's infuriating, no, it, and it's not just this. It and, is. and you mentioned the thing about climate change and the prop comedy waving around the plan or whatever. And it's like this mm. is this is a one-trick government, you know? Like the yeah. Abbott government, at least made some horrible fucking policy, but they had a personality <laughs> or something, you know? But, like, like Scott Morrison's government is just... Their whole thing is wave a piece of paper and then go to Hawaii. Like, that's the... Well, because, like, all these things that we're talking about, you know, they're, they're almost universally acknowledged to be major problems by our society. Yeah. And so they have to pretend like they acknowledge that, they understand mm-hmm. it, and they're going to do something about it. But of course, they fucking can't because they are the people perpetrating this shit. Yeah. They are the ones, not just in a, in this kind of abstract, ooh, evil government, ooh, bad capitalist kind of way. He Scott literally Morrison... was like, go and lie to our colleague and drag her in here so that I can emotionally manipulate her more. Like, Yeah. Yeah. They literally send the energy minister to the climate conference to spruit gas. Like they're these they they're actively working against the yep. interests of the people of yep. this fucking country every day. And yeah, I mean, this a report like this just makes that so fucking stark, so clear. And these people are so out of touch. You know, this behavior wouldn't be tolerated in almost any other fucking workplace. Mm-hmm. Nah, that's maybe not true. But in a general sense, it's regarded as fucking abhorrent yeah. by a majority yeah. of people. Yeah. Like, that's what this report is about. This this report, I think, you know, gets to the heart of the fact that there the culture at Parliament House is the same as it was fucking 50 years ago or 100 years ago. I mean, there's no way that these people are going to change of their own accord. Patriarchy begets patriarchy. These politicians in their fucking boys club staff teams crush and diminish women and guarantee that the next person who fills that seat is just another misogynist asshole. And that's how this shit fucking perpetuates itself. I think that I had a point there, but I mean, maybe that was it. Um, Look, I think broadly what I was saying is, you know, this government is fucked. But this report is actually, I think, going to help push the conversation forward, even if they're not, you know, even if the government doesn't enact any or all of the recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be there as a reference point, you know, and it's there also as a testament to the impact that people like Brittany Higgins and Grace Tame have had on, you know, the broader conversation we have around that stuff. And take it where you can get it. I think that's positive. You know, I think I think it's good. Uh, So. There you go. There's a little positivity corner for you. Um, all right. Is that enough? Let's let's finish the show. All right, let's do it. If you want a podcast, you got to do a lot of shit. If it's not technically podcasting, you still got to do that shit. Please follow us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, at OzPolSnackPod on all the things. Please support us on Patreon for one Australian dollar per month. You get access to our Discord channel where we talk about all sorts of things. And you also get a monthly bonus episode. Last month's bonus episode, which came out this month, is about polyamory. And then there's been some other ones. We watch some movies. We talk about animals. It's all sorts of things. Bonus episodes. Um, plus, at higher tiers, you can actually request episodes, for, uh, topics for us to do in bonus episodes. Um, leave us a review leave us a review I always forget the review you do I, the, yeah I don't know but what is it about the reviews I think we just get them so rarely and I don't mm. get emails alerting me to them 
help Noon remember that we need reviews by, by giving leaving us, us reviews. reviews. Yeah. Frequently. Yeah. We need um, one per week so that I just, it just has to be part of yeah. my we Talk amongst yourselves. We don't care how it happens. Sort it out. We know that there are many more people listening to this show than have given us reviews. That's true. It's free. It's free. You may need to make an Apple cost no money. account, which we apologize for, but apparently they've got very good security. I don't know. This is what I hear from um, Chelsea Manning. Great. Yeah. Uh, I think that's about it. All right. All right. Great. Now it's time for a pub game. It's always time for a pub date. <laughs> That's my motto. It's always time for a pup date. It is always time for a pup date. People are like, Noon, what you been doing? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. Bagel has been pooing in an interesting way recently. Yes. Uh, I don't have a huge pup date for Dante this week. Uh, Essentially, it has been hot. Yes. For the most part. It's also the theme of my pup date. Yes. Hot and then raining. Thank you so much, Melbourne and La Nina. Uh, We're getting that Brisbane combination. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Brisbane. Um Even the lizards are gacked. I you know, you obviously you need to be careful when taking a dog out on a hot day. Pavement gets hot. You don't want that. You don't want those little, little feet little to get hot. Footies. Yeah. And uh I took Dante out and I was like, you know, like I had a busy work day, normally it would have taken him out earlier and then, you know, blah blah blah. Anyway, I took him out later in the day than I would have liked. And it was mostly fine, but just before we got home, he started to do kind of the little hot foot dance. Oh, no, I don't want to stand still. Oh, and like, oh, there's shade coming up. I'm going to run towards that, you know, doing hot foot boy stuff. And I thought, it's time for me to get some little hot boy booties. He needs, oh, yeah. he needs some, some rugged, rough and ready pavement booties for his little hot boy feet. And that's my promise to you, listener. I'm going to buy... Some booties for Dante, some big boy, hot boy booties. I'm going to put them on him. He is not going to have a hot foot anymore. And I'll post a photo of, of him in the booties. And wow. I, think it'll be I can't cute. wait for that. Yeah. Anyway, I also <laughs> my promise ho- of a future pup dad, I guess. Hot dog related news. Um, as listeners, long term <laughs> fans will know, I live in a shed. Um, it's a metal shed. It's got a metal roof. Um, there's not much by way of insulation. Mm. Um, more mm. than the average m- one piece of metal thick shed, but not <laughs> heaps. Uh, and still, again, we're speaking in relative terms. Relative <laughs> terms, yeah. Uh, it gets quite hot, but Bagel, you know, he's a menace, and I can't leave. You know, can't can't be letting him run loose in the yard at night. It, no, can't be letting him. Not an option. So I've been trying to figure out a way for how at night I can leave the door wide open, which is, you know, the main air. I do have a window, but like, you know, you need two. Yeah, the circulation. Um, How to do that without Bagel, you know. So I've been putting him in his crate right outside my door. So he's sort of like basically still in the room, but actually he's outside, but also he can't move anywhere. Um, And he's a bit resentful. He doesn't mind his crate too much, but he, he doesn't like not being able to sleep under my bed, which is where, mm. where he normally sleeps, which is adorable. Mm. Um, it's sort of a little fluffy, little snooty it kind of a vibe. You just sort of look under the... You know, you know. Uh, it is, can confirm it's very cute yeah. and also alarming if you don't, if you're not aware of it. And then he struggles it. out at high speed. Yeah, well, yeah. there's just like a judgmental face. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's all. He's been going fine. You know, crate training, the whole thing is you've got to, you know, 
let them out just before they start getting annoyed, or wait until they stop trying to be a nuisance to get out and then let them out. So there's a lot of, like, lying in bed listening to him be annoying and then wait Mm. for him to be like, I guess this is my life now, so I can, like, (laughs) let him out and he can sleep under my bed. But anyway, yeah, so that, that little bit of training is continuing apace. Oh, that's good. Good boy, Bagel. Yeah. Well, all right, thanks everyone. All right, another, another lengthful bumper. Yeah, yeah. We knew it was going to be long. It was you that went over our notes limit this time. It was. It was. It was totally me. But the and, listeners uh, love it, so you know. I you know I knew okay. what I was doing. Yeah, I had no illusions about this being a one-hour episode. <laughs> I had to remember jokes in my head so I could delete them to make my notes fit in the, the limit that we had. Like, old mate, I'm, no, I'm proud of you. No. And actually, we did really well up, up until, until that your story, segment. So, which that know, all checks was out. planned to be long. And, right. you know, we wanted to talk about it. It's fine. Like, it was important. It was interesting. We did good. Exactly. All right. It's not Paul Snack Pod. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. For what might be our last, like, regular news show of the year, mm-hmm. I think. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, we bring you some other fun stuff. So don't worry. We're going to bring there'll you be, holiday content. There'll be things. Yeah. Don't even sweat it. Keep them snacking in the free world. Fuck Vic Forests. Crunch, crunch. <laughs>